So today, I'm going to preach for us to remember the poor and the needy. Yesterday, Sister Meg almost used most of the scriptures, you know, expressing how the widows and widowers, single parents, you know, are feeling. It might surprise you that Bible scholars said there are over 2,000 Bible verses about helping the poor. That speaks volumes and explains how important it must be to God's heart. God has made it very clear to us through his word that it is our responsibility to care for the poor. It is our responsibility to care for the poor. As Christians, we are called to live our faith by helping those in need. Praise the Lord. Excuse me. So the book of James says faith that is not accompanied with work is dead. So whatever we are doing as Christians, and we say that you have faith, if it's not accompanied by work, it's completely dead. This is why Jesus told us by quoting Deuteronomy that the poor will always be with us. It is our duty to look after them, the poor. He says, the poor will always be with us, and it is our responsibility to look after them. And this is exactly what my message is, to remind ourselves again about our responsibility as children of God to help the poor and needy, to help them celebrate and enjoy Christmas the same way we do, and by the grace of God, we will continue to do it all the time, not only during Christmas time, but all the time. My daughter, A.B., and her friend formed a charity organization. About three months ago, they sent 100 school bags with notebooks to children in Kindergarten School in my village in Nigeria that are from poor families. They also requested for two names of children that are interested in education, but their parents can't afford to train them. This has been going on in other areas of Anambra State. Now, you can imagine how their parents felt when their children came back from school with school bags and some notebooks which they could not afford and it was given to them by people they didn't know about. Praise the Lord. So this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5, 16. Matthew 5, 16. NLT. I'm going to read in NLT and message. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights 
a lamp. Sorry, I gave them 16, but no one you know, lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. You know, this morning when I was uh, going through my, my, this message, as soon as I opened my, you know, the, my, my Bible section, the message trans- version of this just appeared. Just appeared. And I read it and I said, wow, this is awesome. So I want, God want, wants me to read it to the church. So Matthew 5, 14 to 16 message says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light. Say we are here to be light. Bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We are going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I am going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I have put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. He says, shine. And how are you going to shine? He says, shine. Keep open house. You shine by keeping your house open. Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you will prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. Praise the Lord. So the question is, is your light bright enough for people to see what will glorify the Father? Or for God to see what will glorify me, Him? Is our light shine enough? Or is it dull to hide our greediness and our selfishness? Let's turn to Galatians uh, 2, 9 to 10. Now, this is where my message comes from. Galatians TPT. Galatians 2, 9 to 10. says, when they all recognize this great, this grace operating in my spirit, I mean, in my ministry, Paul said the grace was operating in his ministry. So those who were recognized as influential pillars in the church, Jacob, Peter, and John, extended to Barnabas and me the warmth of Christian fellowship and honored my calling to minister to the Gentiles, even as they were to go to the Jews. They simply requested one thing. Of all the things they, they were about to tell him or they told him, they said, I want you to remember one thing that I will remember the poor and needy. So this is very important. In other words, your gospel is not complete without remembering the poor. And they say, which was the burden I was already carrying in my heart. Paul said, already, you don't have to mention that. It's a burden in me to remember the poor. It's a burden in me 
In other words, the gospel is not complete without helping the poor and the needy. The NLT translation says, their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor. That's present continuous. We keep on helping the poor. In other words, don't stop helping the poor because they will always, always be with you. So giving is never a one-time thing. It is supposed to be continuous, a lifestyle. This should be the best legacy for our children. And this is why we are encouraging every parent to start now to teach their children about giving, especially to the poor and needy. Proverbs 22.6 says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way they should go. And point them. Some translation we say direct them and point them the way they should go. And the values they have learned from you will be with them for life. You know, before I used to, when I read this passage of the Bible, I always think the way they should go, I thought that I am going to lead them the way they should go. But it's God. God has already planned the way they should go. He planned in such a way that every child, including you and I, God has already planned the way we should go. Now, it is our respons the responsibility of parents to direct them towards that way God has made them to follow. If you read uh, Jeremiah 1.5, it will be clear to you. Because God said in Jeremiah 1.5, message, I didn't give it to them. He said, before I shaped, okay, yeah, before, okay, before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. God said, before you were conceived in the womb, I knew everything about you. Before you saw the light of the day, I had holy plans for you. He has already made the plans for Jeremiah before he was born. He says, I made you to be a prophet to the nation. That's what I had in mind for you. Imagine if his parents didn't direct him towards God's plan for him. Jeremiah wouldn't have been a prophet. And by the same way, we, if you read uh, Genesis 18:19, uh, when God said, I know Abraham, that he will direct his children to follow God's way. That he, that's why I chose him, because he is going to direct them. So having seen all the promises and blessings God has for those that help the poor, having seen how dear and precious they are to God, having seen that God has placed us in a position to help them, it is incumbent on us to direct our children to always have the poor in their hearts because that is what pleases God. Philippians 1.6 says, and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. God has, never, has not stopped doing good work in us. He says he will continue till Jesus returns. Therefore, we must continue to help the poor till Jesus returns. 
Remember that the poor will always be with us. Paul mentioned about the grace that operates in his ministry. And this is very important because if God's grace does not operate in us, and it ought to, because uh, Titus uh, confirms that the grace of God has appeared to all men to teach us to do the right thing. So without this grace, it might be difficult to render help to people you, you know, we don't know about. It is because of the grace in us that we are instructed to love and pray for our enemies. If you don't have that grace, it's highly impossible for you to pray for your enemies or to forgive, to, to forgive your enemies. But because we have the grace of God, just like the way God graciously forgave us because we didn't deserve it, but he graciously forgave us. The same way we're supposed to extend grace to people around us. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy 1.9, Amplify says, For he delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling, a calling that leads to consecrated life. That is a holy life, a life set apart, a life of purpose, a life of purpose, not because of our works or because of any personal merit. We could do nothing to earn this. But because of his own purpose and grace, he amazed his amazing and undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's eternal ages ago. To live a life of purpose as Christians means that we are born again to serve God. And serving him includes to love others and attend to their needs. By this, the world will know you belong to him. Ephesians 4.32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. God expects us to extend the same grace to all people, just like he is doing to us. In Ephesians 5.1, it says, Instruct us to imitate God in everything we do. So everything we are doing is supposed to imitate God. Therefore, become imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example. We say, copy him and follow his example. So we as his children are supposed to follow his own example. As well, beloved children, imitate their father. So NLT says to imitate him in everything we do. And we know God is a giver. And according to Ephesians 5.1, we should follow his example by giving to people, giving to the poor. Jesus also followed his, father, his father's example in John 5.19. He said he, he does only, only what he sees his father does. He cannot do anything outside his father. And the same way as children of God, we're supposed to do what our father is doing. John 3.16, Amplifier, says, For God so greatly, greatly loved and dearly prized the world. He greatly loved and dearly prized the world. This means that he placed a high value for the world. That he even gave his one and only begotten son, 
so that whoever believes and trusts in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So because of the value he placed on the world, he was able to sacrifice his son. You know, I remember when uh, uh, Brother Glef and I went for evangelism in the main street, we entered uh, one store owned by a Muslim, jewelry store. And then this man saw us with Bible. And then the first question he asked us, do we believe that God killed his son? We said, yes. I said, can you kill your son? So we said, no. He said, see? I said, well, we can't kill our son because we are not God. Only God can do that. Praise the Lord. So how much value do we place on the poor? God has placed a deep, profound value to the whole world. But even when the whole world did not deserve for him to sacrifice his son, he did it because he valued us. So this will determine, the way we value the, the poor will determine how we respond to their needs. If we, don't, if we don't value them, we cannot respond to their needs. So the way we respond to, uh, we, we value them will help us to respond to their needs. Listen to what Job said. Job 31, 16 to 23. Job said, I have never refused to help the poor. I have never refused. He says, never. Never refused to help the poor. He says, I always gave widows what they needed. I have never been selfish with my food. I shared what I had with orphans. 18. All my life, I have been, I have been like a father to the orphans and have taken care of widows. 19. Whenever I found people suffering because they didn't have clothes or saw a poor man with no coat, I always gave them something to wear. I used the wool from my own sheep to make them warm, and they thanked me with all their heart. 21. I never threatened an orphan, even when I knew I had support in court. If I ever did that, may my arm be pulled from its socket and fall from my shoulder. But I didn't do any of these bad things. I fear God's punishment too much. His majesty scares me. Now, this is a godly man. This is a man that honors God. This is a man that pleases God. We know how God was so proud of him that he had to tell Satan that what, there's nothing you can do to win him. Now, let us also look at uh, the life of Cornelius. Remember, Cornelius was a Gentile. In Acts 10, 2 and 4, it says, he was a religious man. He and all the others 
who lived in his house were worshippers of the true God. He gave much of his money to help the poor and always prayed to God. Now, verse 4, because of his conduct, because of what he's doing, listen to what happened to verse 4. Staring at the angel and feeling afraid, Cornelius said, what do you want, sir? The angel said to him, God has heard your prayers. And not only that, he has also seen your gifts to the poor. He remembers you and all you have done. So whatever we do to the poor, he said when we lend to the poor, I mean when we give to the poor, we are lending to him. So there's nothing you can do to the poor that will be a waste. There must be a blessing that goes with it. Praise the Lord. So God res responded to him because of his uh, magnanimity. God watches how we treat the poor. He told Cornelius that he did not only hear his prayers, but also saw his gifts to the poor because whatever you did for them was done for me. Do you know that not helping the poor is a sin before God? Not helping the poor is a sin before God. Proverbs 14, 21, TPT says, it's a sin to despise one who is less fortunate than you. But when you are kind to, poor, to the poor, you will prosper and be blessed. Also, we saw that God had to destroy a whole nation because they refused to help the poor. Ezekiel 16, 49 to 50 says, message, the sin of your sister Sodom was this. She lived with her daughters in the lap of luxury, proud, glutinous, and lazy. They ignored the oppressed and the poor. They put on airs and lived obscene lives. And you know what happened? I did away with them. Proverbs 14.31, TPT says, insult your creator, will you? That's exactly what you do. Every time you oppress the powerless, showing kindness to the poor is equal to honoring your maker. So to oppress means to treat people cruelly or to prevent them from having the same opportunities, freedom, and benefits as others. So God said, if you are doing this, you are insulting me. We should not be like the rich man in Luke 16 that lived in luxury every day and insulted God by ignoring the poor beggar, Lazarus. The rich man did not oppress the beggar as he was lying at his gate where he passed by every day. He just ignored him. Even the dogs had more mercy by keeping him company and licking his sores. Why the rich man did nothing to help relieve his suffering. We saw how he ended. Paul said, remembering the poor was the burden he was already carrying in his, in his heart. A burden is heavy load that is difficult to carry. And he said, I am carrying it in my heart because I do care for them. 
Question, how do you feel about the poor? Do you have a burden to assist them or do their presence bother you? Does it really touch your heart to recognize that they need help? Or do you feel nonchalant or insensitive to their needs? Job said in Job 30, 25, Job said, did not I weep for him who was in trouble? Was not my heart grieved for the poor and needy? So does our heart grieve when we see our fellow human dying of hunger? When we have more than enough to waste? God said, if you are doing this, you are insulting him. Proverbs 21, 13 says, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. See, so the worst situation for a man is to be ignored by God. We saw that in Malachi when they were shedding tears and God didn't pay attention to them. God ignored them. See, so in Matthew 25, 40, the Lord said, whatever good deed you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So one of the ways to have good relationship with God is to help the poor and needy. And there are many reasons why we should always remember the poor. Number one is that because they are the lost brethren. They are our fellow Christians. First Samuel 2 Seven to eight says, the Lord makes some poor and he makes others rich. He humbles some people and he honors others. God told Abraham, I'm going to be a blessing to you so that you be a blessing to others because he made some people poor. So he wants to use us that he has blessed to bless others, to bless the poor because the poor will always be with us. Verse 8 says, he raises the poor from the dust and he takes away their sadness. He makes them important and sees them with the princess and, 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 and at, the, at the places of honored guests. The Lord made the whole world and the whole world belongs to him. You know, we saw that in the case of that, the poor man I talked about, Lazarus, that was disdained by the, by the rich man. The Bible said both died and the rich man went to hell while the poor man Lazarus was received by the angels and was taken to heaven. That someone is poor is not by choice. It's not by choice. No one would rather choose to be poor. Galatians 2, 3, 28 says, New King James Version, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Whether you are poor, you are rich, whether you are slave or free, we are all the same. God does not discriminate. He has equal love for the poor and the rich. Luke 6, 23. So 21, Jesus looked at his followers and said, 
Great blessings belong to you who are poor. God's kingdom belongs to you. Great blessings belong to you who are hungry now. You will be filled. Great blessings belong to you who are crying now. You will be happy and laughing. Jesus was always having compassion. Always. Compassion and love for the poor. And we are commanded to do the same. Our compassion towards others should be a reflection of God's compassion for us. Our compassion towards others should be a reflection of God's compassion for us. Whatever we give to others, whether to the poor or to people that I need, can never match God's generosity in sending Christ while we were yet sinners. Nothing we can do that to be too much, you know, for them, compared to what God did for us. Romans 5, 7 to 8 says, Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to, to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Why we were still sinners, great love, why we were still sinners. Proverbs 21, 13 um, says, whoever shows his ears at the cry of the poor will cry out himself and not be answered. In other words, the way we respond to the needs of this poor is the same way God will respond to us. Second Corinthians, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of speaking because I have a lot to cover. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Meaning, if you sow a lot, you will reap 10 times as much, but if you sow a little, you will get a little. So whatever you give to God, we saw that uh, uh, the, uh, you know, in the story of the widow's might. It's what you give with your heart that counts, because God knows you. He knows in and out. He knows how much you have, and he knows how much you are giving. He knows how much you have in reserve. The second reason we should always remember the poor is because they are made in the image of God. When God said, let us make man, you know, he didn't say, let us make some, 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 uh, some men in our image. He said, let us make man in our image. The Proverbs 22, 2, says, the rich and the poor are the same. The Lord made them all. The rich and the poor are the same. No difference. Because the Lord made them all. Genesis 1:26, which you know, then God said, Let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea. So the, he, he created them too to be like him. Which means both the rich and the poor are made in the image of God. And this is why we are supposed to help them. Number three, why we should remember the poor? Remember the poor because Christ also died for them. And they have the spirit of Christ in them if they are born again. They have the same spirit. That's what I was saying yesterday, that 
the widows, the widows, the, uh, all singles, we all have the same spirit, and that makes us uh, brothers and sisters. So you can't leave your brother, you can't be gossiping about your brother, you can't be saying evil things about your brother. We're all the same, because we have the same spirit. The same spirit that is moving into us. God gave us the same spirit if you are born again. Praise the Lord. John 1, 13. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth. It's not by parents' decision, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So God gave us a new birth that made us to be children of God. And that makes us uh, brothers and sisters. We must help the poor. We are commanded to do, to do so. Deuteronomy says, Deuteronomy 15, 11, NLT says, there will always be some in the land who are poor. There will always be. You move out to the street, you see them. They're, they're everywhere. Go to Nigeria, go to Africa, every, in all parts of the world. The poor, you see them. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in, the, in, in need. I have let, left you an example, yeah, Acts 20, 35, Acts 20, 35, TPT. It says, I have left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus, who taught giving brings a far greater blessing than receiving. It's an example, giving, giving, and it gives us uh, more blessings. What example did he leave with us? How to serve and take care of those that are weak. And that giving will get us blessing. Deuteronomy 15, 7 to 11 says, but if there are any poor Israelites in your towns, when you arrive in the land the Lord, your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted and tight-fisted towards them. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. Lend them whatever they need. He says, instead, be generous. God wants us to be generous to the poor. Do not be mean-spirited and refuse someone alone because the year of cancel for cancellation debts is close at hand. You know, some people are so mischievous. They'll be giving loan, giving loan, giving loan. When one is very close to the, the year of cancellation, they refuse because they know that it will affect their collection. They won't be able to collect because it's the year of cancellation of debt, debt is, you know, is closed. And God said, if you refuse to make the loan and the needy person cries out to the Lord, you will be considered guilty of sin. Now, this is your own money. But what God is telling us, that the earth, everything belongs to him. So much as you are the one making the money, he is the one that giving you the strength, the power to make wealth. So he is the one that will enables you to work and make that money. So when you make that money, he expects you to use that money to help the poor. Praise the Lord. 10, say give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. 
That's one of the ways we get our blessings when we help. When we help the needy, that's one of the ways, you know, we'll be blessed. There will always be some in the land who are poor. That is why I'm commanding you to share freely with the poor and with other Israelites in need. So it's a command. God is not, not pleading to us to, to do it. He is commanding us to help the poor. 1 Timothy 6, 17-19 says, Give this command to those who are rich with the things of this world. Now this is a, that's a warning. Tell them not to be proud. That's if you are rich. Tell them to hope in God and not in their money. Money cannot be trusted, but God takes care of us richly. He gives us everything to enjoy. 18, tell those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good works, and tell them they should be happy to give and ready to share. By doing this, they will be saving up a treasure for themselves, and that treasure will be a strong foundation on which their future life will be built. They will be able to have the life that is true life. You know, God, God is so kind. God, the reason God created us, you know, is to serve him, is to do his work, to do the good work. Remember in um, um, uh, Ephesians 2.10, he said, you know, say he has created us in Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus to do good work. And he said, this, this, this good work he has created us, he said, before the foundation, before the foundation, before he created us, this is what he wants us to do, the good work. That good work, is so, he did the good work and then he wants us to carry it out. There are lots and lots of benefits the Lord has for us just because we are helping the poor. God is highly honored when we remember the poor. In conclusion, I want to close with this story about a CEO of a company that was very rich and kind to people. All his friends, sister-in-law and staff, everyone loved him. Because he was so generous, he was giving. He was so rich, and he was giving out money to people. One day he was coming back from work and stopped on the way to buy something. He slumped on the ground. He was quickly rushed to the hospital, and the doctor found out that he had a kidney cancer and needed a kidney transplant immediately. He was given a few months to live if one, one of his kidneys is not replaced. Nobody was willing to donate, not even his wife, whose kidneys matched. They also could not find a matching kidney to buy because he had the money to buy if, if they see one. So his birthday came, which supposedly would be his last birthday in this world. All his friends gathered and planned his last birthday. They sang birthday song for him and toasted for quick recovery. And each of them, including his wife, presented their birthday gifts. 
Now, this reminded me of what the book of James said. In James 2, 15 to 16, it says, Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. He has nothing to eat, too, and then you're asking him to eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. You say, what good does that do? Now his sister-in-law, the man's sister-in-law, the man's sister-in-law presented him with a small envelope with this word, silver and gold. Have I not? But what I have, I'm giving to you. She handed him the envelope and insisted that he opened it. Everyone was anxious to, to know what was in the envelope. When he opened it, behold, it was a lab result from the doctor confirming that her kidney matched his and that she wants to be the donor. Her fiancé was furious and immediately walked out of the room and she went after him. He was very angry with her and asked her why she made such decision without uh, his consent. He told her that it's over between them because he cannot marry a woman with one kidney. She went back to the sick CEO and he was very happy for the gift that will save his life. But he said this to her, I can only accept it on one condition, that her fiance approves it. So she went back to, you know, to her fiance and after several pleading, he agreed. And the surgery was successfully done. You see, God saw us helplessly dead and decided to give us uh, life again. But not only paying for our debt, but also blessed us to be a blessing to others. Question, are we going to sit back with our family members and enjoy our Christmas meal when our brothers and sisters cannot afford any? We will be like the CEO's wife and friends that had what it would take to save the life of their friend, but they refused to help. Or are we going to be like his sister-in-law that had what he needed and gave him life? Just like God saw what we needed to save us and he provided it for us with love. He wants us to be a blessing to others with what he has given, blessed us with. I want us to know that helping the poor to enjoy their Christmas is this church signature. Is this church signature? That's what we do every year. I'm sure that the people we are helping back home, they'll be looking forward to Christmas because of the help they are receiving from this church, from the help they are receiving from you and I. They'll be looking forward to it. May we not disappoint them this year. As we come back from church on Christmas Day and sit down with our families to enjoy our meals, let us also 
make our joy complete by knowing that our brothers and sisters are also enjoying the celebration because of us. What a joy it will be to know that I and you contributed to put smiles on the faces of less privileged people this Christmas and always. And this we can achieve by coming together with our families and pray that God will direct us on what to give. Paul said, Jesus took our poverty and made us rich. Second Corinthians 8, 7 to 9 says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, you are gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to, to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So Christ made himself poor so that he would be rich. So that by his poverty, he could make us rich. So why should we hide our wealth? Why shouldn't you use what we have earned to help those that are less privileged? What a joy to share our blessings with others. I'm going to ask, can you put that hymn? We're going to sing this hymn, and as we are singing this hymn, I want the uh, welfare ministry to give out envelopes. We give out envelopes so that uh, you take the envelopes home, like we did two years ago. Go home, take it home, and then discuss, come together, discuss with your family, and pray about it and see what will God want us to give to the poor this Christmas. It is not a disappointment. Mm -hmm.